The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-8192. That's 800-600-8192. 800-600-8192. The more the world changes, the more we find comfort in things that never change. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome, all you happy warriors, to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, where I, your rabbi, aim solemnly to reveal how the world really works. But not only that, as your rabbi, I aim to do even more than just revealing how the world really works. I aim to provide you with all the intellectual ammunition you need to keep away from your door the demented despots and depraved degenerates that can really spoil your day. I aim to arm you with all the spiritual ammunition that will allow you to banish from your life the clowns, the crooks, the creeps, and the cranks, all of whom can give you a bad day. And so, in order to do that, uh, we have to take a deep dive into understanding perhaps even some of the darker corners of the human psyche and as well as some of the darker corners of human society. Let's start off with United Parcel Service. That's right, UPS. Right? They do an incredible job. Uh, they move a huge number of packages with an unbelievably low error rate. Uh, like FedEx, by the way, but I'm talking specifically about UPS for only one very simple and peripheral reason, and that is their logo, which for the last few decades, <clears throat> the, the, the brand has depended on the color brown. As a matter of fact, they even, they even used to uh, use a, an advertising slogan on radio, uh, find out what brown can do for you. And, and people understood uh, it, it was so distinctively their color. Well, what were they trying to convey with that? Well, perhaps some of the sort of warm, comforting earthiness of chocolate and uh, the idea that, um, that when we think of brown, you know, w w the color brown for the most part is the color of the earth, right? You know, it's not, you don't find it on, on flowers, you don't find it in, on, in lakes for the most part. Uh, brown is the color of earth, and so it sort of feels somewhat uh, dependable and something that, uh, that, that is familiar. So that, that's what they were going with for the color brown. But um, let's see, the color brown, by the way, comes from, well, if, if you look at the uh, extremes of the rainbow, blue and red, 
what are those? Well, in general, uh, we tend to think of blue as a more spiritual color <coughs> and red as a more earthy color. Uh, it's not an accident that in many cities around uh, the world, think of Amsterdam. Amsterdam has a district where uh, uh, you go for uh, financial and sexual transactions. And that's called, as you know exactly where I'm going with this, the Red Light District. And, and many, many cities have the Red Light District. <clears throat> the color of, of sin, if you like, the, co the color of uh, heading in that direction somehow seems to be the color red. Um, most women intuitively know that, uh, that a red outfit signifies something quite different from a navy blue outfit, right? It, and, and so uh, uh, th there have even been interesting studies uh, to correlate the, uh, the, the tendency of women. And again, this isn't necessarily you or your sister or anyone you know, but in general, over large numbers of women, uh, the, uh, the, 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 there is a tendency to wear the color red at the most fertile uh, times of uh, their fertility cycles, which kind of makes sense, right? On some deep and basic level, an attracting of attention for procreative purposes. Okay, fine. Uh, that's the red light district. All good. And uh, how about blue? Well, if you get into trouble in Amsterdam's red light district, uh, you'll run and uh, hope that you will find a building with what color light outside? Blue. That's right. The color they put outside police stations. Uh, the color of, if you like, law and order. The color of structure, the color of societal integrity. All of that is blue. And so blue is up in the heavens and etc., etc. And, you know, you get the picture. Um, interestingly enough, if we mix those two extremes together, uh, we get brown. Well, you have to throw in a bit of yellow, a bit of sunlight there as well, the yellow sunlight. But uh, you mix the, the blue and the, uh, and, and, the, and the red plus some yellow, or if you like blue and orange is another way of thinking of it, but I'm looking at, at the, uh, the, the, the color spectrum of the rainbow. You, uh, you mix those in and you get brown. Um, just as, as an aside for, for those of you who may be trying uh, some experiments, just bear in mind that there is a difference between mixing different colored lights and different colored paints. Okay, so uh, ju just to bear in mind, uh, those aren't exactly the same. They're the sort of inverse of one another. But I don't want to spend any time now going in depth into uh, the, the science and the physics of colors. But... Um, I want to talk about something else that is brown, and I, I, I intend to do so um, as tastefully as I possibly can, but without, um, uh, without refraining from telling you exactly. You know, I am revealing how the world really works, and sometimes uh, some aspects of the way the world really works smell badly. And, of course, uh, I'm talking about human excrement, also, also brown. Where does the, the brown color come from? Well, here's the important thing. Uh, the color, the, the, the brown of feces is essentially um, dead cells, uh, dead bacteria, and um, the, uh, the 
Billy Rubin uh, that that also um, and by the way this 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 stuff this thing called Billy Rubin which is exuded by the the liver and uh, nobody knows what it's for it's like it, it not only doesn't it seem to have a purpose but it can actually be bad for little kids uh, and, and in fact sometimes when little when newborns are a little yellow uh, doctors will say the bilirubin count is high. Anyways, uh, I tell you all of that only to make absolutely clear that you understand that a good proportion, uh, probably more than half, of the, the, the matter in human feces is dead things, dead bacteria, dead cells, uh, 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 breakdown of, uh, of uh, hemoglobin, red blood cells, and uh, and all this dying stuff um, puts out uh, certain chemicals, most notably hydrogen sulfide, uh, which which can be found anytime um, stuff organic material is dying, um, and that's and that's the bad smell. Okay, uh, all right. Enough of uh, all this fecal information. Other than to say that we really have to to be clear that the, the nature of uh, human feces is essentially death. Uh, the amount of non-digestible food matter in feces is really quite small. Uh, it's about, uh, about uh, 10% or so, something like that, uh, counting, I mean, obviously some is water as well, but... Um, uh, about 10% of it is, you know, cellulose, which our bodies can't uh, can't uh, digest, and uh, and then ab about another 5% or so is is cholesterol and other fats, and uh, and then another few percentage points are inorganic substances, things like uh, iron phosphate and calcium phosphate, stuff like that. But the the overwhelming, the bulk, the bulk of what passes out of our bodies in the bathroom uh, is death. Like dead stuff. And, okay, so uh, why do we need to understand all of that? Well, you, you do know, and I've spoken about it on, uh, on this show in the past, that um, the prisoners, uh, Muslim prisoners at Guantanamo Bay, also uh, nowadays convicts in, in many American penitentiaries, and, uh, and also now... Uh, left-wing uh, protesters, the 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 Wall Street uh, protesters, the anti-globalism protesters, uh, all of these people also have the charming custom that they share with Islamic detainees and convicts of uh, hurling <coughs> hurling um, bags containing feces. Yes, I know the mind boggles, but uh, I just want to. Uh, clarify that there is a reason that lowlifes use this as a symbol of hatred okay it's 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 death and uh, you might say well people in in those detained situations don't have much else that they can throw um, this is true but you ask yourself you know really i mean could anything and i'm, t I'm talking to the to the, and you know, I see you in front of me. I mean, I, 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 I really know who the listeners to this show are. I meet you at, at events. I meet you at speeches I give around the country. 
And so I really know you, and I, I think you'll agree with me that very little could bring you to the point where it would even dawn on you to uh, defecate into a bag and throw that at somebody. It's just, it's, it's just not in our uh, purview. It's just we don't see it. We don't think of things that way. It's just not doable, not possible. Um, people in law enforcement, I've shared this with you in the past as well, uh, friends in law enforcement have, uh, have often told me how uh, they frequently find in, in ransacked properties where people have uh, broken into properties uh, that, that they will leave these uh, charming um, calling cards. In other words, they won't use the bathroom in the bathroom. They'll use it in the living room or something. Again, to somehow uh, hurl a message of sheer hatred and, and hoping for death somehow or another. Anyway, all of that is uh, part of um, what feces are and uh, why they, they occupy a place in the culture. What? What do you mean they occupy a place in the culture? Well, just think language for a moment, and uh, as soon as I get back, I'll elaborate on that. The website, rabbidaniellappin.com. Yes, rabbidaniellappin.com. And uh, uh, head over there, if you will, and uh, enjoy, enjoy a, uh, 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 an audio CD program um, called Madam, I'm Adam. Okay. Madam, I'm Adam is very much on my mind uh, lately because uh, it is a definitive program on marriage. I can't tell you how strongly I recommend uh, couples who are thinking of getting married, couples who are engaged, uh, just sit down and spend two hours with your beloved and listen to this uh, program. Have your finger on the pause button so that you can stop it from time to time because you are going to want to uh, discuss things that come up. Uh, listening to this program is a really, really good way of finding out if you're both on the same page um, in, in, in so many areas, spiritually, sexually, economically, emotionally, and uh, it will bring out certain uh, thoughts and certain ideas. So go ahead to rabbidaniellappin.com. While you're there, make sure you're subscribed to Four Tools, the weekly emailing, and uh, take a look at Madam, I'm Adam. It's a two-hour audio program with a study guide, and uh, I think you will probably thank me. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin, and I will be back with you in just a moment. Spilling ancient solutions for modern problems in the areas of family, faith, friendship, and finance. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin, on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. If you're in the market for a new mattress, casper.com slash rabbi should be the next website you visit. Casper created an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It's one perfect mattress, and it's sold directly to you, eliminating the need to endure one of those commission salesman mattress stores with inflated prices. Casper is shipped for free right to your door, astonishingly delivered in a sleek, how-did-it-fit-in-there box. You just let it unfold, and there you have it one of the most supportive sleep surfaces ever designed, hassle-free. Casper is made in America, and Time magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. Breathable latex and memory foams are combined for just the right sink and just the right bounce. Try Casper for 100 nights free, and if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. 
Right now, get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash rabbi. That's casper.com promo code rabbi. Terms and conditions apply. casper.com slash rabbi. With stories in the areas of family, friendship, faith, and finance, this is Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Only on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Welcome back, all you happy warriors and devoted listeners of the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. Or at least I hope you're devoted listeners, because I am certainly a devoted creator of the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. And without the knowledge that you are there, it would be very difficult, if not impossible, for me to be here. Uh, it would drag me down to the depths of depression, way down, if uh, I believed that I was speaking to the ether. I was talking to a microphone that led absolutely nowhere at all. So thank you so much for being part of the show. And again, please know how much I appreciate your efforts to promote the show, pass it around, encourage new listeners to hear the show. Uh, I know that many of you are doing that. I hear from many of you who uh, have started listening and how you got to listen. A friend put you onto it. So to all those friends who introduced your friends to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, uh, you have my gratitude. Okay, uh, what we're talking about, believe it or not, well, yeah, what we're talking about is uh, the, the role uh, played by uh, fecal matter by excrement, and uh, I'm going to call it assault by excrement, okay, because although none of us can even conceive of circumstances where we would, you know, uh, relieve ourselves into some kind of uh, uh, plastic bag or something and then use that as a projectile to hurl at our enemies— it's inconceivable. It's just, okay, we don't do that. Uh, what is more, we, we recognize that one of, and I'm being very serious here, one of the crowning achievements of Western civilization was the waterborne sewage system. Look, I'm sorry, but it is not an accident that the water closet, <laughs> the waterborne sewage system, the idea of being able to whisk away our excrement out of our houses, out of sight, to somewhere far away through the, the flushing of water, this was not invented in India. It was not invented in Africa. It was not invented anywhere else other than in Western civilization because this, um, this, this need to separate ourselves from everything that excrement represents, is a uniquely Western phenomenon. Why? Well, because Western phenomenon, uh, or at least Western thinking and Western civilization, is based on, well, it's based on the Bible. Well, what's that got to do with anything? Let me explain. That's right. Now, I don't want to um, spend any time on that. Again, in earlier shows that are all freely available, uh, I've covered the relationship uh, between the Bible and Western civilization and uh, why it is that Western civilization sprang from the pages of the Bible and why it is that Western civilization grew 
uh, to create economies and grew to create scientific endeavor, all because of its biblical origins. Now, to those of you who've never heard this idea before, all I can say, please don't be distracted by it because every microscopic molecule in your entire bodies is going to be shrieking out rebellion and rejection of that insane idea. The Bible created scientific endeavor and economic power. Okay, I, I don't want to be distracted by that right now. I have dealt with it. You can easily go back and listen to earlier shows, if you're interested, where I make that argument, and I think uh, make it very persuasively. At least that's what many of you have told me. People are shocked uh, at, at, after they've gone through that. You know, my goodness, I, you know, I never got taught that. I, I went to college. Nobody ever said that. Well, of course they didn't. We know that. And so at any rate, uh, that, is, that simply is a reality. <clears throat> And uh, now as to why the West uh, is the only place that came up with the importance of sewage systems. And by the way, I've been in parts of the world, I'm sure many of you have as well, where to this very day, literally, uh, sewage flows down the, the streets and the lanes of the, of the village every morning. In fact, in some of these places, they actually have a little trough carved in the middle of the, the cobblestone streets. Well, they're not even cobblestone, but stone streets. And uh, the sewage flows down there. And the smell is testament to what is, it is that is flowing down there. All of this is unthinkable to the Western mind. To the Western mind, it was of paramount importance that in their day-to-day -day affairs, human beings would not be dragged down by the presence and the stench of fecal matter. Well, why? What's? It's just a part of nature, isn't it? I mean, it's perfectly natural. It's perfectly normal, right? There, there's, there's even a dreadful uh, book made for children. I think it's called Everybody Poops. Um, it's horrifying. I, I, I even say the name of the book uncomfortably, I have to tell you. So if it's all so natural, why is it that the West made such a big deal out of building systems that would carry it away. Somehow the notion that uh, our aspirations towards reaching for the sky, reaching for the blue, if you like, uh, would be impeded by the presence, the, the appearance, the stench of excrement, that's somehow built into the West. Why? because of a few verses in the 30th chapter of Deuteronomy. And um, not a particularly good translation, but I'm just going to uh, translate from the Hebrew as I go along so as that uh, you get the gist of it. You, those of you who are interested can always look it up. Uh, chapter 30 of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the five books of Moses, and um, uh, verse 19. So this day, says Moses, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses that I am setting before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Did you hear that? Wouldn't you have thought that that must be one of the most redundant verses in all of Scripture? I've set before you this day life and death. Now choose life. Who wouldn't? Who has to be told to choose life? 
You want to know the answer, my friends? The answer is very simple. Western civilization in the second decade of the 21st century, that is who has to be told to choose life. Because the point I want to make absolutely clear is that what is really abhorrent about fecal matter is the stench of death. What is really repelling about excrement is the deep understanding we have, perhaps primarily in our brains, that that is death. And it really is. And we knew it and we felt it long before science was able to tell us that the majority of what exited our bodies via that route was in fact dead stuff. It was just dead stuff. If anything, the anus can be called the passageway of death. Which is why, unfortunately, a nation that has lost the awareness of how important it is to choose life over death now has as its favorite expletives that have found their way into popular culture two four-letter words for excrement. Look, it was unthinkable for either of them to be used in polite society before Again, you know, you know, I go, I take us back to about, you know, 1960, early 60s, 62, 63. Uh, you know, it, not, not that it's any specific date, but if you think about uh, what you heard or saw on radio and television in, you know, 1960, compared to what you hear today, I promise you, you never ever heard anybody using a four letter word meaning human feces. You never did. Now, one of those words today is in general usage. You, you, you hear it absolutely anywhere. And uh, the other one, I'm sorry to say, I'm going to say not yet, but I see absolutely nothing stopping the uh, progress, if you'll pardon the phrase, uh, towards the progress we're making towards widespread acceptance of even the second four-letter word meaning excrement. Uh, when, when people want to describe or when people want to fling a, uh, a, a really um, uh, nasty expletive of somebody, they want to say, you know what, you're a real, what do they say? And again, they've got a word for the anus. They've got a word for the rectal passage. And they say, you are a real, and again, gosh, this is an unbelievable fixation on feces. Let's call it fecal fixation. Right. Why? What is it all about? Well, it's indicative of a society that has um, embraced death, not life. And... Uh, You'll, you'll pardon me, I, I have to say something else as well, uh, which is, is difficult, and I'll explain to you why before I tell you what it is. Everybody is scared of violating the laws of uh, political correctness, right? Uh, you know, you feel it, I feel it, we all feel it. Not because we're cowards, but because we've been uh, indoctrinated by progressive culture 
uh, to believe that certain things are bad speech because they they hurt people and you mustn't. Well, all right, you get it, right? And so whenever I, uh, I I feel obliged to say something which is true, but at the same time is politically correct, uh, I I find myself giving a little caveat, and uh, and it doesn't do any good, right? Because haters will hate, as they like to say. Uh, people who are going to be mad at what I'm about to say are not going to be made less mad by me uh, issuing the caveat. I really, I really think I have to stop doing it. It's like when people say, um, look, I don't want to offend you, but you know that the next thing is they're going to offend you. So why do they even say that? Right? No, nothing changes. Uh, you know, I don't say afterwards, well, everything's fine because you offended me, but I know you didn't mean to because uh, you told me before and I don't mean to offend you. It's nonsense. So I really should stop issuing this little caveat and just uh, tell it to you straight. However, it is it is hard to do that. Okay, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the culture's uh, open embrace of homosexuality. Um, look, um, I uh, I believe in in freedom. I I would never suggest that uh, the police should invade anybody's bedroom, but. Um, why does it have to be thrust into the public square? Why do I have to know about it? Why do I have to be told about it? Why cannot I be left to regard homosexual behavior between two men as a sin and as something uh, destructive of society? Let me believe that. I am not going to do anything to stop people acting in whatever way they want in that area. And... Uh, and, and likewise, I would rather not have it thrust to, into the forefront of my attention. But why? Why is it? Answer, beyond all other behaviors, this one is death-related. Why and how is that? Well, uh, let me explain that just as soon as we come back, okay? Uh, why it is that homosexual behavior between two men is far more related to death than it is to life. And I'll uh, explain that in just a moment. You know the drill now, right? Uh, we even are going to give you a quick break so you can visit the website, rabbidaniellappin.com. You want to send me a letter, you want to ask uh, the rabbi, uh, you know, as an AT or ask the rabbi uh, a question, all of that on the website, along with uh, what's on my mind, things that uh, Susan and I are thinking about and talking about, all there at rabbidaniellappin.com. Also, you will find uh, Madam, I'm Adam. You will find the uh, audio program, Madam, I'm Adam, all about, uh, Madam, I'm Adam, by the way, is a, a title we came up with uh, because we like the palindrome effect, right? Madam, I'm Adam, you can read both ways, uh, forwards or backwards, says exactly the same thing. And uh, we uh, laughingly joke that that's the expression Adam uttered when God introduced him to Eve, and he took off his hat, bowed from the waist, and politely said, Madam, I'm Adam. And, of course, uh, it, it, it also reflects the duality of marriage, the, the, the bidirectionality of marriage, where uh, uh, both are givers, both are receivers, and, in other words, marriage reads both ways. Anyway, that uh, is a two-hour audio program 
which uh, couples should listen to together with their fingers on the pause button because there are going to be so many things that are going to stimulate discussion, and that discussion is going to reveal areas in which your relationship needs work, right, and whose relationship doesn't. Uh, I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Quick break. Back with you shortly. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Rabbi Daniel Lappin returns with more of how the world really works on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Hi, everyone. We're back again revealing how the world really works. But not only that, we're also giving you the intellectual ammunition, I hope, that will keep those demented despots and depraved degenerates away from your life. Well, of course, it's very difficult to uh, keep them away. But with enough ammunition, what you can do is make yourself immune to them. And, and that's really as much as we can possibly hope for. Because sometimes when you understand the strategies being employed by those clowns and crooks and creeps and cranks, sometimes subconsciously, sometimes they lack the uh, intellectual power to even construct or comprehend the arguments for what they do. So many times they act intuitively. I'm not for a moment suggesting that um, criminals who, who defecate in the living room of uh, of the homes that they plunder. I'm not suggesting that uh, detainees at Guantanamo or convicts in penitentiaries figure out, well, I think what we need to do is convey our hatred by flinging symbols of death at our enemies, and therefore let's, let's think about this. Why don't we have a little symposium and discuss the details of death? How can we possibly... No, I don't think anything like that is going on. I think this is deeply rooted in the human psyche. I think little children are born uh, with an unhealthy <laughs> fascination with their own feces, as I think any parent has discovered. And then as, as time goes by and they grow up, I don't for a moment think it's acculturated. I think they intuitively uh, become aware that, uh, you know, that this is uh, a, a part of their beings that... Um, that belongs in, in, in the lower regions, as it were. This has nothing to do with the human desire to grow upwards, the human desire to reach for a higher self. No, we realize that this is exactly the opposite. And, uh, and so it is. I, I think that uh, the, the death qualities are, are really quite intuitive. And so I was talking about why it is that uh, male homosexuality is linked to death. You might wonder why I'm, by the way, why I'm keeping, why I'm continually saying male homosexuality. And the answer is because that's the only kind of homosexuality that, uh, that there is. The Bible doesn't recognize female homosexuality at all um, for, I think, fairly obvious reasons. Uh, but uh, with men, it is a, uh, a very real thing. <coughs> why? Because um, 
it has deathly qualities. What sort of deathly qualities? Well, as I said I, in the last ep uh, segment, I would explain. Um, it is this. Um, <laughs> again, I, I, I shouldn't do it. I should just go straight for it. But, uh, but I, always, I always feel this little hesitation sometimes. But okay, never mind. Here goes. The, uh, the reality is that the potential of life is part of what gives um, every act of a man and a woman enjoying intimacy together part of its thrill, part of its uh, ecstasy. It comes from that. Um, that's not to say that when, uh, when the potential is removed that there's nothing left. Of course not. And it's not to suggest that uh, procreation is the only purpose God intended for husband and wife intimacy? Of course not. It's for relationship building. We all understand that. And it's almost as if procreation is the secondary function. In other words, if God has to figure out, uh, let's come up with the best way to produce a new human being in the world. Well, I think nowhere would be a better source for a new human being than the, the profound passion and connection that a husband and wife feel for one another uh, that love for one another, that, that deep desire that each has to bring pleasure to the other, that consideration and that um, obsession with the other's needs, uh, particularly during times of, of closeness, what could be a better time to introduce a new baby into the world? Exactly that. But the, the essence of it is, is the connection. And... Uh, and it's fascinating because I've, I've spoken to, to many people during uh, my rabbinate career uh, who have um, had vasectomies. Many men have had vasectomies. And, uh, and while they are correct, uh, the doctors are absolutely correct, there are no nerves dropped biologically, there is absolutely no reason to explain a diminishing of sensation. Uh, what almost any couple will tell you that is uh, that has had that process is look it doesn't it doesn't rob us of meaning it doesn't take away the significance of our connection no of course none of those things but can we tell that it's a little different now when there's absolutely no potential no possibility even of a baby that that has been utterly and completely ruled out can we feel a difference of course we can not even a question and uh, and couples who are actively uh, in, in the process of trying to conceive a child uh, feel, by the way, as long as it isn't becoming, um, and it often does, a, uh, a painful process if it's, if it's taking a long time to conceive and uh, there's talk of medical involvement and, uh, and, and, and uh, uh, that can be very stressful for everybody and really to be avoided if possible. But... Um, but ordinarily, in, in the natural course of human affairs, when a couple is lovingly engaged in conceiving a baby, in other words, using no form of birth control at all, um, again, anybody who's ever been in, 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 any, in all of these situations knows the enormous difference uh, between the two. Homosexuality is about as far as you can get from the possibility uh, of not having any possibility of life result. There is only one step beyond homosexuality, and that's bestiality, animals. But uh, up, to, up to that point where you sort of stop before the utterly unthinkable, 
uh, homosexuality is uh, characterized primarily by um, two men trying to maximize physical sensation with absolutely no possibility or potential, not even the thought. In fact, if anything, a contempt for what they disparagingly call the breeders of society. Okay, fine. Uh, the, the second reason, which is also very important, is that uh, when a husband and wife uh, connect with one another, the, uh, the passage through which that is done is clearly a passage of life. Would, would you not agree with that? It is, after all, the passage through which a child makes his journey into life, right? Uh, there, there is no better term for that passage other than clinical terms than the passage of life. Well, I think we've now covered it, haven't we? Because we've covered <coughs> that the rectal passage is the passage of death. The vaginal passage is the passage of life. And so clearly and obviously, uh, when we are told to choose life, those people who, who regard the Bible as a, a blueprint for humanity, therefore choose life, there's a lot to this. It's not just a case of, oh, don't, don't, don't go and die. Uh, it's to recognize that a decaying culture actually embraces death within its very being in damaging and, uh, and very seriously destructive ways. The, um, the warm embrace of homosexuality into the brightly lit parlors of society, that is part of it. That is forcing it into the face of the rest of us. Hey, we embrace death. It's as simple as that. And uh, you know who else embraces death? You'd be surprised to hear. Nah, you wouldn't really. Why don't I tell you in just a moment? The uh, website, rabbidaniellappin.com, as you well know, rabbidaniellappin.com. That's right. Head over there and uh, take a look at uh, a, an audio program called Madam, I'm Adam. And again, I've, I've been talking about it the whole show, so you know, you know about it already. And uh, look, if you know a couple that is thinking of getting engaged, if you know an engaged couple, uh, even if you, you know a married couple, who, who all of these people, all of these people truly could benefit from this ancient Jewish wisdom on the primal marriage of Adam and Eve and how it relates to how we function in our existing marriages or how we wish we could function in our to-be to marriages or whatever it is. Uh, this is two hours of material that you can listen to by yourself, but if you really want to get benefit, if you're in a relationship, uh, you and your engaged, your betrothed, your beloved, your wife, uh, all of the above, you want to listen to this together and either make notes or pause it. You will get hours and hours and hours of valuable conversation. Turn off the television. Stop watching cat videos on YouTube and listen to Madam I'm Adam together. I'm Rabbi Daniel Eppen, back in just a moment. The Blaze On Demand. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Don't miss the Chris Salcedo Show. How many interviews did Barack Obama give to Fox News, his entire occupation of the Oval Office, Jimmy Acosta? How many? He didn't, he, what, three? Three? And there's a reason why it was three. Because he didn't want to be challenged by Fox News. But I don't remember you sitting there complaining very much about it, little Jimmy Acosta. You joke. He is a joke. 
Jim Acosta is a joke. The Chris Salcedo Show, weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. We now return with Rabbi Daniel Lappin on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody. Your rabbi, that's me, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, and thank you for being part of the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. And uh, thank you for your efforts in popularizing the show, uh, which you've been doing beautifully. I really appreciate that. Okay, Um, let us go from one politically incorrect step to a giant leap into political incorrectness. That's right, Islam. Um, What is fundamentally wrong with Islam? Well, again, I am not a theologian. I never studied comparative religions, and I never would have wasted the time doing that anyways. I have a very simple rule. I judge religions by the behavior of their devotees. It's as simple as that. And so uh, um, if if I want to find out the nature of Judaism, I don't go and study the Democratic Party, uh, you know, fueled and uh, encouraged by Jewish uh, people and Jewish money. No, because the people who are the people who are of Jewish ancestry who embrace progressivism, socialism, communism, liberalism, are people who have already utterly ob- abandoned the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in its place, they've embraced the faith of secular fundamentalism. So that's not the place to go and discover the values of Judaism. The only way to discover the values of Judaism are to observe the conduct of uh, people who follow the dictates of the Torah. Uh, By and large, that means people who observe the Sabbath. It means people who who only eat food that uh, conforms to the Jewish dietary laws of the Torah called kosher foods. Um, It means people who conform to the... uh, Jewish marital laws, uh, abstaining from uh, marital relations um, during a, uh, a short part of the month, and so on and so forth. People who take the, the Torah seriously are people you can look to. And again, you will always find exceptions. You always find people who appear to be following a religion's dictates, but whose actual behavior is repugnant. Yes, you will find that. But in general, you've got to look at a large group of people, and uh, you will find people who are gentle, who are law-abiding, who don't go on welfare, who take care of their families, and uh, and basically are model citizens. Uh, you want to understand the Latter-day Saints Church? Um, I have a simple rule. I don't I don't try and dig into the Book of Mormon. I don't try and explore the the history of the origins. I just do one very simple thing. I visit um, uh, LDS communities in the state of Utah, particularly where I visit quite often. I do speeches uh, for many uh, Mormon organizations. And uh, it's very simple. These are model citizens, right? If, If the whole country, if the whole country behaved the way the LDS church members do, are there exceptions? Probably. But generally, on the overall picture, if everyone in the country behaved that way, would we have a better or a worse America? All right? I don't think you need me to tell you the answer. And uh, how about if a billion Muslims 
tonight became evangelical Christians. Better world or worse world or no difference? <laughs> Come on, you know the answer. This is not hard to understand. And so uh, the, the only way to sort of get a handle on Islam is to look at the behavior of the devotees. Now, look, I understand, yes, all the disclaimers, not every Muslim is a terrorist. Yeah, I, I mean, needless to say, of course, that's pretty obvious. And uh, the number who are terrorists, very small, that's true. But um, wouldn't you think that the power of Islam uh, could stop Islamic terror overnight if it chose to? Don't you think so? Don't you think that uh, uh, all kinds of community sanctions could be applied nationally and internationally? Come on, I, I, it's, it's not even worth talking about. You know the answer as well as I do. Uh, in the same way that almost every religious group has the power to impose sanctions on its members, uh, whether it's economic or social, whatever it is, or even just decrees. But yes, uh, the world of Islam could stop terror if it chose to. I, I, persuade me otherwise, if you will. I don't get it. I don't see another way. All right, what do we know about Islam? We know that there's a phrase that goes back into, I think, the 1500s, um, and that is, we love death like you love life. That is the, uh, the ringing slogan that Islam has always sung out to its enemies. And this, I think it goes back, as I say, I think the first time we, we come across it is in the 1500s, but it shows up regular. You know what? No, it actually it's earlier than that. It's actually earlier than that. Uh, and I'm, I'm sorry, I should have had that part. I, I never looked that up. I'm sorry. But uh, whoever's interested can find it out. You can even let me know. It goes back a long time. But it's used modern times as well, right? Osama bin Laden. In the 1990s, the end towards the end of the 1990s, um, said this several times on his on his uh, videos. You know, he said, "We love death like you love life." What could be more indicative of Deuteronomy chapter 30? It's perfect. And uh, do you remember in 2005 there was that horrible uh, summertime attack on the London transport system? So the guy, the the mastermind of it. It was a guy called Muhammad Siddiqui Khan, and uh, I think he was of a, a Pakistani family, and um, he did a video, they call them martyrdom videos, right? He films it before he died, before he went in, on his murderous rampage, and in it he said exactly the same thing, right? We love death like you love life, and, and so on and so forth. Look, that phrase shows up. Uh, uh, I actually Googled that phrase at one point this week in preparation for this show. And uh, to tell you the truth, I didn't even write anything down because there were so many references. And, and again, you won't be shocked to hear that no Mormons seem to have uttered that phrase. No Quakers, oddly enough, no Quakers ever used the phrase. You know the um, Oneida community in, in, up, uh, in, in New York near Buffalo? Now they make cutlery, but for a while they were a, a, a strain. They never use the phrase, we love death like you love life. Only Islam uses it. And uh, it's not hard to see that they really seem to believe that. Look, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I wish it weren't so. And, and I know that I have uh, Muslim listeners to the show. And, and 
I, it would be utterly meaningless for me to say I don't mean to offend you because, of course, you're taking offense at this, and I understand that. I'm sorry about it. I do regret it. But my regret at causing you unhappiness does not transcend uh, the feeling that I, I have, which is an obligation to tell the truth to people who, who listen to me for that very reason. So there it is. Uh, and so if you ever uh, wondered about the strange alliance between Islam and Western liberalism, if you ever wondered why it is that the, the left uh, in Germany, in Sweden, in Norway, in England, has not been capable of keeping out Islam, it's because they have lost the message of therefore choose life. And death then permeates society. Uh, why do we accept the murder rate in uh, Baltimore, in Chicago, in, uh, in, in, um, in New Orleans and other places around. Why do we allow and, and tolerate that? Yeah, I know the, the president is sending in uh, uh, federal people to help. I, I get that. But there's something culturally problematic, isn't there? Because uh, I don't have to spend any time at all discussing the, the, the demographic of death. Uh, inflicted by uh, criminal violence in the United States. It's tragic. It's horrible. Don't mean to offend. There I go again. But uh, it is true. What is the fundamental issue? A loss of the commitment to life. And that is what is pulling us down. It is damaging the culture. It is degrading our civilization and ultimately imperiling it its very existence. Uh, the whole idea of uh, the Hemlock Society, do you remember that? Uh, a suicide society. Do you remember <clears throat> Dr. Jack Kevorkian in the 90s? He's no longer alive, <clears throat> but the push continues for legalized suicide or euthanasia, a terrible thing, my friends. Therefore, choose life. I place before you this day life and death. Therefore, choose life so that you, so that you may live. What a horrible thing that the state has even stepped onto this downward plummeting elevator and, uh, and started making it a part of the medical system. In some states, that is the situation. It is a terrible, terrible mistake and does more to spread the degeneracy of death around the culture and around the society with ever-increasing severity of consequence. It's a very big problem. And, um, and I will tell you that, uh, well, you know what, that's probably as far as I'm going to go on this show. Uh, obviously, there's more. Uh, I've been working on this, on this subject lately because of uh, uh, the book I am desperately trying to finish. And uh, more on that later. But uh, for now, that I, I think this is, is important stuff, don't you? I, I hope you, don't, you, you haven't felt uh, sullied or, or depressed or brought down by the subject matter of today's show. Tell me you haven't. Go to the website, rabbidaniellappin.com, and uh, uh, use the Contact Us uh, button if you want to let me know how you feel about it. I'm, I really am a little concerned because... Uh, this this is as, uh, this could be construed as a sort of down downer of a show, right? A bit of a depressing show, appearing into the the depravity of human life. 
rather than uh, pulling ourselves upward. But sometimes, if you can clearly see in navigation, if you can clearly see where you shouldn't go, uh, that kind of helps where you should go. You know, if you're kayaking on a river and you all of a sudden see that you're coming towards a weir, you know, my ongoing nightmare is kayaking on the Niagara River <laughs> above Niagara Falls. And all of a sudden you hear the roar of the falls and you see the clouds of, of spray uh, rising heavenwards. Um, that tells you which way you start paddling and you paddle mighty hard to go the other direction. And so perhaps in the same way, um, by focusing on these darker corners, um, if you like, the browner aspects of life, if you like, and, um, and looking at, at, at the seductiveness of death, the terrible seductiveness of death, um, how it is that young people, even what they do to their bodies, the piercings, by the way, all part of the same thing. Anyway, I'm sure you'll have a lot more uh, thoughts popping up in your mind as you contemplate this. And again, if you do and if you felt value in the show, hey, let me know. Tell me what you think. RabbiDanielLappin.com, and that's also where you'll find perhaps the greatest tribute uh, to life, which is marriage and family. The uh, audio program is called Madam, I'm Adam. You need it, you'll benefit from it, and you'll thank me. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Until next week, I wish you a week of good health and prosperity. God bless. You're listening to Rabbi Daniel Lappin On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Find more at theblaze.com slash radio.